Oh, well, good morning, Rolling Hills, Nashville. It is so good to be here. I love it. I love what God's doing here. It's just exciting and so, so thankful to join and worship today. Great job, worship team. Man, just leading us to the throne. Uh, I'm Jeff Simmons. My wife, Lisa, is back there. And we have three awesome girls. And uh, man, I just love being a dad. I love being a husband. And I love being able to join you and what God's doing here in this place. And Nick is doing such an amazing job. Nick and Patrick and Monica and George and Andrew and Sam and just the whole team. Christina, it is awesome to see what God is doing. And so I feel like I'm just at home because uh, a lot of you are my friends, right? You know, and so whether it's from Franklin or from Belmont Heights or Park Avenue, this is just beautiful. And it's beautiful to see the church being the church. The church being the church for the glory of God in this city and the calling that God has given us to make such a difference and such an impact here. And also, man, we are in the kind of this new year and this new series. And so we've started a series a couple weeks ago called Finding Your Focus. And I love this series as we're digging in and saying, God, we want this to be the best year yet. We want this to be a year that glorifies you, that, that I reach my full potential in Christ, that I become the man or the woman that you created me to be. And I'm excited about this. So 2020, I hope it started off well for you. It started off great for the Titans. So we need a big win today. So, you know, let's pull the Titans through. AFC Championship. I can't believe it, but it is great. And 2020 is off and running. Now, when you think about it, right, 2020 is that perfect vision. And so in this series, we're talking about that because we all go to the eye doctor, right? And we sit behind that faux raptor machine. I didn't even know what that was, right, before. I mean, I always sat behind it and I was like, I didn't know it was called a faux raptor, but that's what it is. And you sit there and the eye doctor goes with you, right? And he's like, is one better or two? Two or three? Three or four? You're like, oh no, it's love, you know? And you're trying to figure it out. But what's he doing? He's focusing you, he's focusing your vision, right? And so we get glasses, we get contacts, we get LASIKs because we know the importance of having really good vision. And so in this series, we're saying, let's focus spiritually. We live in a world of distractions. We know that, right? There's distractions all the time. Everything's vying for our attention. We are in this world, but we are not of this world, praise God, right? And so we want to say, we want to focus in on what God would have for us. And so our theme verse in the series comes from Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And it says this, And Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus grew. And he grew in these four areas, right? Wisdom. And then physically. He grew mentally, physically. He grew spiritually, favor with God. We're going to talk about that today. He grew socially, favor with man. He grew in these four areas. And so for us to grow and mature in these areas. Now we said the first week, right? The first week we talked about growing in wisdom and how important that is for us. And really that's kind of the focus, right? Is we're moving in. Knowledge, there's a lot of knowledge out there, right? And we go to school for knowledge and math and science and social studies and all this. But then, you know, is one better or two? You kind of click it up and you get understanding. You get understanding. You start to apply the knowledge. How does this apply in my life? But then you click it up another notch and you find wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and then wisdom. And wisdom is how we make our decisions. Proverbs 9.10, right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We all have decisions to make. We're all making decisions all the time. But what if this year we can make the right decisions? 
We're all making decisions about, you know, should I date this guy? Should I date this guy? Should I go with this girl? Should I get married, right? Should we have a baby? Should we adopt? Should we buy a house? Should we buy a rent apartment? Should we refinance the house? Should I stay in this job? Should I get a different job? Should I post my, you know, resume on Indeed? I mean, what, what should I be doing? But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so, God, what decision do you want me to make this year? God, in every facet of my life, I'm not just going to pray about the big things. God, I want to pray about the little things. Father, I want to follow you. I want to be wholly committed to you. And last week we talked about growing physically in our bodies. Your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And listen, I love that Psalm 139. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is nobody in the world exactly like you. You are beautiful. And so often we listen to what the world says and we try to compare ourselves to photoshopped models out there, right? Or, you know, like we can't compete. We don't have to compete. We just be who God created us to be. And we be healthy, right? It's important to be healthy. Why? Because we want to serve the Lord in our day, our time, our generation, and make a difference for the glory of God. And then today we come to this one. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. Oh, man, I'm going to love unpacking this today. So if you have a worship guide, if you have a worship guide this morning, I'd love for you to take some notes. We've got a little note section back here. You can write down some notes. Uh, also, when you pull out that worship guide, I just want to highlight a couple of things. Uh, Patrick did a great job just talking about this, but smart dollar on the front. You guys, this is a pretty incredible deal, okay? Dave Ramsey is giving it to us at Rolling Hills. It's a pilot thing, no other churches. We get it for free. Like, like totally free. I mean, it's like worth hundreds of dollars. And, and, and you could do this. You just text. We're doing it with our family. I'm having my daughters. We're all sitting around, you know, and they're in high school, middle school, and elementary. And we're all sitting around and watching the videos because I want them to have a firm foundation financially. I want them to make wise decisions. So sign up for this. It is an incredible opportunity. Also, group link. Be in a small group. It will change your life. I want to tell you, it will change your life having brothers and sisters in Christ. So look here, if you're taking notes, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. And it's this, Jesus, Jesus, that's the first blank, right? Jesus grew. And Jesus grew in favor with God. Now when you think about it, it's kind of a theological conundrum, isn't it? I mean, you're like, Jesus is fully God. He is fully God. But what you're seeing is this. You see the divinity of Christ, Jesus being fully God, but you also see the humanity of Christ. You see the humanity of Christ. And both are present. And so Jesus grew in favor with God. Now the Greek word there for grow means to keep increasing. To keep increasing. The Greek word for favor is the same word for grace. The Greek word for favor is the same word grace. So Jesus grew in favor with God. Jesus grew in grace. We are called to grow in the grace of of God. And you and I, we've been given grace so that we can mature in grace, that we can grow in His grace. And that is beautiful. There's a verse there in 2 Peter, and it talks about this. It says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an imperative. But grow. We have a command. We have a mission to grow and to mature. Now, there's two words that are so important here that you, you got to see, right? There's salvation, and then there's sanctification. There's salvation, and there's sanctification. 
Salvation happens as God draws us to himself, right? It is by his grace, sovereign God over the universe. And God invites us into this relationship with him. And it's not because of what we do. So often we think, well, maybe if my good can outweigh my bad, maybe God will accept me, right? No, 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 no. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done. That Jesus paid the price. That when we were dead in our sins and our transgressions, God made us alive in Christ. It is good news. It is salvation. There comes a point for every one of us when we accept the grace of God. And we can stiff arm God all we want. We can try to live our own life. We can push him aside. For every one of us, God is inviting you into this relationship. And for us to say yes, for us to surrender, for us to say, I want Christ. Forgive my sins. Redeem me. Restore me. And that is beautiful. It is amazing. It is the greatest gift of all. But it doesn't stop at salvation. Right? It's not like we go and we pray on a Sunday morning, like, Father God, come and forgive my sins, or we're kneeling down by our bed, and we're saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life, and then he just takes us home. We're like, well, there you go. Right? He's just like, go home. We're still here. Why? Sanctification. Sanctification. It, Romans 8, 29, I love this verse. It says, for those God foreknew. That means he knows who's going to accept him, right? He knows who's going to follow him. For those God foreknew, God knows your name, by the way, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, meaning he has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He created you. He placed you here at this time in history for a reason and for a purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined. Why? To be conformed to the image of his son. Your life and my life should look more and more like Jesus every day. That's the goal of your life. That's the purpose of your life. That you and I should look more and more like Jesus. So if Jesus grew in favor with God, right, how do we grow spiritually? How do we mature? How do we grow? Well, if you're taking notes, here's some things I want to write down because uh, there's a lot of blanks right here. But these are going to be something you're going to come back to, I hope and pray, Later on, but one of my favorite books is a book by Richard Foster called Celebration of Discipline. And it is a great book. So I'm encouraging, go out, get it, read it. But he talks about 12 spiritual disciplines. And the first, he talks about this first category are inward disciplines. Inward disciplines, okay? So you got these four. You got meditation, prayer, I'll go slower, meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. Meditation, prayer, fasting, and study. If you go to Mark 1.35, you can just write that out there to the side, Mark 1.35. It says this, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus rose up, left the house, and went to a solitary place where he prayed. So Jesus had this spiritual discipline of prayer. What about you? What about me? Right? What about your prayer life? You know, what happens so often is we're like, oh, I got so many things to do today. I got to get to it. I got to go. I got to get there. I got to get to work early. I got to get the kids out of the house, right? I got to get to school because classes are starting. I, I've got to get all of this done. But what if we said, I'm going to start this day in prayer, just like Jesus. God, I'm dedicating this day 
to you. So that's an inward discipline. Those four are there. Then you've got the outward disciplines. You've got the outward disciplines. And so these all start with S, which makes it easy, right? You've got simplicity. Then you've got solitude, submission, and service. Simplicity, solitude, submission, and service. You can write out beside there just Matthew 20, 28. And it says this, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. So often we think, well, you know, hey, life's great, and people serve me. You know? We kind of fall into that consumer mindset. And we go to restaurants, and we go to places, like, what, what can you do for me? And sometimes that can even carry over to church. What can people do for me? But Jesus, the Son of Man, came not to be served, but to serve. And there's a spiritual discipline of, hey, I want to put this into practice. I want to go and live it out. And when you start to serve, you grow spiritually. It's amazing. You talk to people, they say, man, I, I can't tell you, but man, I started to serve on a Sunday morning, and man, God's just like challenging me and changing me. Or, or I went on my first mission trip. Changed my life. Because something happens when we jump in and get involved with what God's doing. All right, then the third category, the third category. You've got the inward, you've got the outward, and then you look at this category of the corporate. The corporate. And you've got confession, worship, guidance, and celebration. These are corporate disciplines. These are how we grow Spiritually. And think about that. I love that. Confession. The Bible says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. And we're kind of like, yeah, skip that verse. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not telling anybody my stuff, right? You know, we're like, I hold it in. I'm going to carry that load. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's something about that. That confession. I want to tell you what's going on in my life. I want to be real. I want to be authentic. I'm not just going to put on a face and come on Sunday. I want to be honest about what's going on in my heart and in my life. And then worship. Man, I love worship. Being in the presence of God and then the guidance of God. But then I love this discipline of celebration. Celebration. In Luke chapter 10, you can kind of write Luke 10 out there. Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends the disciples out two by two. And they're going and they're doing all this ministry out there. And they come back and they're like, Jesus, you wouldn't believe it. He's like, just try me. You know, I was like, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Listen, I mean, it's awesome. We're seeing people being healed. We're seeing lives being changed. And Jesus, it says there in Luke chapter 10, Jesus full of joy. Jesus full of joy. Jesus is like, way to go, guys. I told you. It's awesome. You know, and I mean, just watch it. And then he praised God. Something about celebration. I love baptism. You know, we have baptism at Rolling Hills. It's a celebration. We're just seeing lives change and people surrendering their lives to Christ. You're going under the water. You're dying your old way of life. You're being raised to walk in a new life. And people are like, yeah, way to go. There is celebration. Are you celebrating the things of God? Guys, this is a celebration. I mean, we're seeing God do miracles here, right? God bringing us all together. God allowing us to share life together. God allowing us to be the body of Christ to reach out together. We got to be so excited about what God is doing. And those spiritual disciplines, as we look at those and those 12 disciplines and say, this year I want to grow deeper. I want to I know you more, Father. I want to work on my prayer life or, or my simplicity. Wow, that's a big one in this world today, right? I want to work on my worship or even my confession. I want to be honest with people. God, I want to grow. I want to grow. 
Okay, if you have a Bible with you today, I want you to look at this passage of Scripture with me because there's some stages of spiritual growth that I think are so important for us to see today. So 1 John, 1 John, if you have a Bible, turn there. Maybe you got a mobile device you can access on your phone, version, and you can kind of look it up uh, there. But 1 John, toward the back of the Bible, right? 1st, 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then you got Jude and Revelation. So it's right back there toward the very back. 1st John chapter 2. 1st John chapter 2. Now John was written by the Apostle John. Okay, so this guy who wrote this spent three years with Jesus. That'd be pretty cool. Okay, (laughs) he's like with Jesus all the time. He's there. And, And he was one of the 12 disciples. But not only was he one of the 12... He was kind of one of the three. You know, there, there's Peter, James, and John. Who Jesus, I mean, he was poured into it. Not, not only that, this guy's the one that Jesus loved, right? He's always talking about that. I'm, I'm the one that Jesus loved, the disciple Jesus loved. And so, man, they had this close bond. Well, when Jesus ascends into heaven, John and Peter, they become the leaders of the early church there. So John's been seeing all this. Well, persecution comes against the church, right? You guys know, you read through Acts and all that happened. Later on, all the disciples are martyred for their faith, except for John. John died in exile on the island of Patmos. And so when he's writing this, many biblical scholars believe he's 90 to 100 years old. He is older, right? He's up there in years. I love being around older people, right? Because they'll just say anything, right? They don't care. You know, like they're, they're tired of the fluff. They're just going to tell you. They're just going to say it. You know, they're not PC. It's just like, I don't care. Here's the deal. Here's the truth. I want you to know it's Jesus, right? You know, it's just like so awesome. You're like, way to go. That's what John does. I mean, John's just like, okay, guys, I'm telling you, I've lived a lot of life. I've been around Jesus. I've seen the early church explode. I want to tell you, I've seen this happen. And there are three stages of spiritual growth. So pick up here in verse 12. He says, I'm writing to you, dear children, because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you've known him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you have overcome the evil one. Now notice this. There's three stages that he talks about of spiritual growth. Right? The first is spiritual children. Spiritual children. And what does he say about spiritual children? He says, I write to you, dear children, because you've been forgiven on account of his name. Now spiritual children are people, you know, they give their lives to Christ and they don't know a whole lot. But they just know I'm forgiven, right? You know, don't ask me to look up, you know, where Habakkuk is or anything like that. I just know God forgave my sins. I am redeemed, I'm restored. And, and they are so excited. They're just excited. He says, I write to you because you, you, you know that your sins have been forgiven. And then he comes over here again and he says, verse 14, I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. You know the Father. You know, I have uh, three daughters, and they're awesome and amazing. And I remember when they were little, and it would be night and, and everything else. And they would just run into our room, and, and we would wake up, and there they would be right by the bed. And they would just be like, Daddy, or Mommy, hold me, hold me, right? And we didn't sit there and go, let me explain to you about thunder. It's okay, you know. <laughs> what did we do? We, we just picked them up, right? 
and just held them and just like, man, laid down with them. And they just, there's this comfort in. Spiritual children, they don't know a lot. They just know their father. It's like, oh, God's with me. God's for me. I think that many times that child, Jesus said, just keep that childlike faith. You don't have to figure everything out. It's okay. I'm with you. I'm for you. I love you. You're spiritual children. But then there's a next stage of growth, right? It becomes a spiritual young man. A spiritual young man. He says, I'm writing to you, young men, because you've overcome the evil one. Now, that doesn't mean that young men don't sin, okay? What it means is I don't do the same sins, okay? I mean, I used to do this when I was in high school, and now I'm kind of like, I'm moving on. That was a childish way, okay? Or I did this in college, or I did this, and I'm moving on. I'm not perfect, but I'm growing, and I'm not just doing those same sins that I keep doing all along. You know, sometimes Satan doesn't have to think of new things for us because we keep falling for the same sins, right? At some point, we got to say, hey, get behind me, Satan. I'm moving on. I'm growing. I'm progressing. I write to you, young men, if you come down here, he says, I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Young men, you're strong, right? You're growing. You're maturing. I, I, I love spiritual young men. They're the ones that are like, just put me in, coach. What do you need? I'll drive a golf cart. Yep. I'll set up, right? I'll, I'll host a group. I'll do whatever we need. I'll go pass out flyers. Let's go. You need spiritual young men. We need spiritual children in the church. I mean, they just bring the energy and the enthusiasm. They're just like, yeah, let's worship. Let's go, right? You need the spiritual young men. But then there's a third stage, spiritual fathers, right? He says, I write to you fathers. He says this in verse 13, because you know him who is from the beginning. And then he comes back over again, and he says in verse 14, I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. He just says the same thing. Fathers or mothers are people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time. They, they just know the Father. They've been walking with him. They've been spending time in the Word. Uh, they've been leading. They've been helping. Spiritual fathers and mothers. Now, what's an Aaron in being a father? Children, thank you. Yes, that's it. So as a spiritual father, at some point you've led somebody to Jesus. Or you're discipling somebody. You're pouring in to somebody else. Right? So we need all in the church. We need the spiritual children who are man like just fired up and can't wait to worship and just go, man, I don't know a lot of it, but I know the Father. We need spiritual young men. Everybody's doing their part, pitching in, but we need spiritual fathers too. I mean, people are stepping up and saying, I'll lead a community group. I'll help out. Right? I'll be on A6. I'll, I'll do whatever. I'm, you know, I'll mentor our disciple. You got somebody who needs a prayer request? I'll go pray with them. I'll go serve communion. I'll, I'll go over there because, listen, I've been walking with the Lord a long time. Now, spiritual age and physical age don't always match up. Okay? You know, you know what I'm saying? You could have a 50-year-old spiritual child. You have the opportunity to share Christ with somebody and they give their lives to Christ. They're a spiritual child. You could have a 23-year-old spiritual father or mother in this room, right? They're leading Bible studies on campus. They're just being a mentor. They've been walking with Jesus for 13 years. They're like, man, I've been diving into the Word. I've been, people have been mentoring me and discipling me. There's a lady in our church, and she's been praying for her grandfather, 90 years old. He lives in Brazil. And she lives here in in middle Tennessee, and she's been praying. She's always asked me, pray for my grandfather, pray for my grandfather. 
And for a few years, she said, I don't know if he's ever going to accept Christ. He's just atheist. He's just kind of antagonistic. But my mom and I, we just keep praying and keep praying and praying. Well, last year he had surgery. And he goes in for surgery and he comes out of surgery. And her mom flew down there and was with, with her grand, with her dad. And, and, and she said, you know what? Told her boys who were five and seven, said, hey, let's pray for your great-grandfather. Let's just pray. And the boys said, well, do you think Papa knows Jesus? And she goes, well, why don't you ask him? And so they FaceTimed, right? They got on the iPad, and he's in rehab there in Brazil. And the mom there, you know, her mom, the daughter of the grandfather, is looking at this iPad and seeing his grandsons. And he's thinking, this is the coolest thing ever anyway. You know, like, I couldn't believe this. And the grandson, seven years old, goes, Papa, I just want you to know Jesus. I, I want to spend eternity with you. And he's like, uh... And the mom right there said, well, let me tell you more about Jesus and started to share Christ. And this 90-year-old man right there in rehab in Brazil prays and says, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. And with the family standing around, they're just bawling and everybody's crying and seeing this man come to know Jesus. You know what? His eternity is different. We're going to be with this guy one day, right? We're going to be celebrating and worshiping. But how amazing his great-grandchildren are the ones who are leading him to Christ. But now he's a 90-year-old spiritual child. 90-year-old, like, diving into the Word and being in the truth. But he's growing. He's excited. You see, it doesn't matter about where you are physical age. What matters is, are you growing? Keep increasing. Keep maturing. Because what can happen is, you can stay at a certain level. Right? You, you can be a spiritual child, but after a, while, after a while, you need to become a spiritual young man. You know, if somebody comes up to you and you're like 40 years old and they say, so, so what, what's God doing in your life? And you go, well, I accepted Christ when I was eight. Okay, great, man. That's 32 years ago, bro. You know, I mean, like, I hope you're growing. I hope you're still not a spiritual child. I hope you're diving deeper into the word. Spiritual young men, right? There, there's a danger. We stay spiritually young men and, and we just kind of stay in that route and then, all of a sudden, they're like, I don't know if I'm going to pray with anybody. I'm kind of scared to pray out loud. I'm kind of scared to do these things. You've got to take a next step. Spiritual fathers, sometimes you can grow complacent. And you can go, you know, well, I'm retired now. I'm going to leave that to the younger generation and let them do it. No, you got the wisdom and experience. John didn't stop. He was 90 years old, right? I mean, he didn't stop and go, okay, well, great, I'm going to leave it to those guys. No, this is your time. This is your calling. This is your place. And for us to grow and to mature and for us every day to live our lives for the glory of God, that's how we make a difference for his name. So how do we grow in these areas? How do we grow? It's spiritual nourishment. Spiritual nourishment. Right? I love that verse there in 1 Peter. It says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You get a little taste of God, you want more. You're like, come on, I want more, I want more. Right? You're maturing in your faith. See, spiritual children have to be fed. And it's okay. We were all babies at one time, right? We all had that nasty food stuff that somebody took the, the spoon and did the airplane deal. And we all had to have that, you know? And we didn't know we didn't like it at the time, but we needed that. We needed that. Spiritual children, being at church, being in community group, being in places, talking to somebody and saying, hey, would you mentor me? Would you help me? I want to grow. 
Would you be there for me? Would you help feed me? Spiritual children have to be fed. Spiritual young men, they're learning to feed themselves. They're learning to feed themselves, right? And they're coming to church and they're so excited and they're taking notes and they're learning and they're growing. But they're also going, hey, wait a minute. I got this. <laughs> How awesome is that? The word of God in my hand. Every morning I can get up and I can read. I can read at night. I can grow in my faith. We have this awesome Rolling Hills app. I, I, I get on the Rolling Hills app all the time. But, man, I get my push notification, right? Here's my daily step. Each day we're reading through Matthew. We just did Matthew 15. We're reading through the Psalms, with Matthew, Psalm 20 and 21. But every morning, man, I'm in the Word. For us, being in God's Word, starting our day with Him. Hey, spiritual fathers, <laughs> they're the ones who are feeding others. They're the ones who are feeding others. They're the ones who are looking for the opportunities to say, hey, I, I, I want to I share what God's doing in my life. I, I can send an email, right? I can send a text. I, I can post things. I, I can lead a group. I can, you know, hey, we need community group leaders. I can put me in, coach. You know what? I'm a little nervous. That's fine. But you know what? You end up learning more when you teach. So put me in. How can I teach? I can start a, a Bible study in my dorm room. I can start a, I have a big house. Why don't I have people over? You know, what can I do for the glory of God? That's how we grow. That's how we mature. If you keep going here in 1 John, I love this. John goes, hey, do not love the world or anything in the world. He's like, I know you're going to be tempted to run after the world. And we all are, right? We got marketing people out there just like in our face all the time. Buy this, do this. And he says, but don't, don't love the world. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Make a decision. Are you going to live for the world or are you going to live for God? What's going to be your audience? For everything in the world. And then he says the lust of the flesh. You know what the lust of the flesh is? It's materialism, right? i got to have more. i got to have stuff. i got to have things. It's the lust of the flesh. Lust means I must have it now. And so we impulse buy. I love that saying, right? We buy things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even know. It's true, right? We go into debt for things we don't even need to impress people we don't even know. But what we do, we just run after it. The lust of the flesh. Oh, the lust of his eyes. Boy, lust is a challenge in this world today, isn't it? Pornography. Hmm. Satan just uses it to erode our capacity for intimacy. See, lust is, what, what can you do for me? <laughs> love is, what can I do for you? Let's be people who love. What can I do for you? Mm. And then the pride of life. Pride is the mother of all sins. When we become arrogant, we're moving away from God. Moses, the most humble man that ever lived. Jesus in humility, right? For us to be more humble, kind, loving, compassionate. These things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of his eyes, the pride of life, it comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. What an incredible truth and an incredible promise. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. Guys, let's live our lives for him. Every moment. Every day, 
You know, our vision statement at Rolling Hills says this. It says a people of God reaching out. Reaching out. Right? The church is not a country club. We're not just here and it's like, hey, everybody here, serve me, right? We, that's why we call people partners instead of members. You know, it's not just, hey, we're a member here. You know, everybody's here for me. No, I'm a partner. I'm a partner in the work. For us to reach out. There's so many people around here who don't know Jesus. There's so many people around here who just want to know Christ, want to know help and hope and what true love is. For us to reach out, for us to grow up. The people of God reaching out, growing up. You see, as you mature in your faith, the church grows. It's the way it works. It's the body of Christ. And for us, giving all. Not just my leftovers to God. No, God, I want to give you my best. I want to give you my life. You know, 17 years ago, we planted Rolling Hills, and there were 15 people meeting in an apartment clubhouse, and, and we were doing a Bible study on Thursday nights. We never knew what God was going to do, right? But we said at that point, we said, you know what, it can't just be about us. And so we're going to do a mission trip. And we opened it up and said, hey, if anybody wants to go, and eight months later, we took 18 people and went to this country called Moldova. And for most of us, we were like, where's Moldova? You know, we didn't even know. But we found out, right? It's the poorest, smallest country in the former Soviet Union. And the statistic that got us was 60% of girls trafficked into prostitution in Eastern Europe come out of this country of 4 million. And it broke our hearts. And we said, we're going to go. And so we went. And I'll never forget that first trip of being there and working in this orphanage, the state-run orphanage, and meeting these beautiful children. And we're working with them all week, and we're just seeing God work in their lives and hope and future and joy coming to them. And we stood outside in a sunflower field that last day, and we just prayed and we wept. And we said, God, this is what you've called us to, to reach out, to, to grow up, to love. So the next year we went back and took another team. The next year we went back and took two trips. The next year we went back and took three trips. And then God said, hey, Take a next step. Take a next step. And so we launched Justice and Mercy International. And there was people like Mary Catherine Hunt who had a great job and was doing really well and yet said, you know what, I'm going to give all and I'm going to come. I want to be a part of this. Mary Catherine started to lead it and make such a difference And people like Kelly and Chris and Carrie and Rachel and just this team that God started to put together. And to see now the impact of four transitional homes, seeing these kids growing up and having a hope and a future, seeing lives being changed at church, that's you. My daughter, Grace, she was born one year after the church started. And I tell you, she was a cute little baby, huh? <laughs> Look at those cheeks, right? <laughs> so to eat her up. She's so beautiful and so fun. But you know, this past summer, she went on her first mission trip at the age of 15 and she went to Moldova and there she is working with kids there and she loved it she loved it and she's there with Lisa my wife and meeting kids and now she sponsors kids you know and and I thought about this I thought God you know what if we would have sat back and just said you know what God no way we're, we're scared we're not going to take a next step we're not going to to do what you've called us to do, or if Mary Catherine and others, and Kelly had said, you know what, we're going to just do these other things. God, I don't know if she would have been there. See, your obedience to growing in your faith, it impacts more than just you. 
It impacts more than just you. It impacts your marriage or your future marriage. It impacts your children. It impacts your grandchildren. It impacts people you don't even know. It impacts everyone in this room. Because as we grow individually deeper in our faith, you know what? We grow stronger together. Philippians 1.27 says, contending as one man for the gospel. Don't sit on the sidelines, guys. Get involved. Get in the game. God has called you here for a time such as this. And he's called us to do life and ministry together. And I want to tell you, there's no place in the world I'd rather be than serving our God right here, right now. Last weekend um, was the four-year anniversary of my dad going home to be with Jesus. 87 years old. I still miss him, you know. Uh, my dad didn't grow up in a Christian home. When he met my mom in his 20s, my mom led him to Christ. Started taking him to church. But boy, when my dad came to know Christ, he didn't just sit back. He started growing. And I'm so thankful I was born to Christian parents. And I remember when I was about five or six years old walking by their room one day. And my dad's on his knees by the bed. And I said, Dad, what are you doing? And he looked up and he said, I'm praying for you. Praying for you. Never forgotten that. Five years old. Never forgotten. I watched my dad serve, right? My dad was at church every time the doors were open, man. He was serving, you know, whatever area, you know. They led Sunday schools and Bible studies at our home. There were people always over. It, it was just a part of who he was. And when God called us to play at the church, right, I talked to my dad about it. My dad goes, you know what? I'm in. He pulls out his checkbook. He's the first one who wrote a check and said, here you go. Just use it. I don't know what God's going to do, but I believe in you. And we all need somebody to believe in us, guys. I believe in you. About seven years ago, my, my dad and my mom moved to Nashville. And they were a part of our church, guys. And then my dad goes home to be with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you, he lived it. He lived it. And my prayer for all of us is this. We live it every day of our lives. And whenever God calls us home, we're running into the arms of Jesus. And I think about my dad's legacy in, in my life, in our family, in his grandkids, but in all of us. And that's the legacy God's calling you. God's calling us. Listen, there's still breath in your lungs for a reason. There is still breath in your lungs for a reason and for a purpose. God is not finished with any of us yet. God has a plan that's bigger than we could see. You hold on to him. You trust him. You fall in love with him. And you watch God do what only God can do in and through you. To God be the glory forever and ever. I want to invite you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a second. I don't know where you are today. I don't know what's happened in your life. But maybe today is a day of salvation. Maybe today you just go, Jesus... I want you in my heart. I've been living life for me, and I'm tired. I'm worn out. Jesus, come in. Fill me. Forgive my sins. Make me new. Maybe today is a day when you go, it's time for me to take a next step. God's not finished with me. Maybe for you it's being baptized. <laughs> Maybe for you it's spending time in God's word every morning and just saying, I want to I grow spiritually. Maybe for you it's serving. God, I, I got a house. God, use me. 
God, I've been a disciple for a long time. God, use me. So, Father God, here we are, your disciples today. And just like you used John and Peter and Andrew and those guys back in their day, Father, I pray that you would use us. I pray that we'd be men and women after your heart, that we would follow you all the days of our life. God, that we wouldn't settle for the things of this world, but that we would grow more passionate about you every day. So, Father God, meet us in this moment. Transform our hearts. We love you. And we dedicate our lives, we dedicate this year to you. That we would grow in favor with God. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.